This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is perseverate. So you may hear my dogs fighting behind me. They're trying to stay warm, too. I just wanted to uh, start the show by telling you the story of the show that almost wasn't. Uh, This was almost episode 54 without Riley McLeod. So Riley, who you're about to hear from, uh, came on the show, was delightful. It's a great interview. uh, And uh, then the power went out in my house. And I was sure I'd lost the file. I was going to have to call Riley up and say, can we do the whole show again? Um, Very sad circumstances that ended up causing the power outage. We discovered that uh, what had happened is just at the end of my street, not far away, you know, houses away, uh, an airplane caught a telephone pole in the fog Three people perished, uh, you know, very, very uh, tragic circumstances. And part of the consequence, which is far less for us, I realized, than the uh, than the, the families who lost loved ones, but we lost power for a couple of days. And so I've been waiting to see if the electricity would be back and if Riley's show is still here. Um, luckily, the, the show is, uh, is fine uh, and the temperature in my house is coming back but that's why i'm all bundled up like this Uh, it's been very chilly uh and the dogs growling and yapping behind me have been keeping us warm so back to the show with riley luckily i am glad that uh this show was not lost uh enjoy this episode with riley mcleod uh welcome everyone Riley McLeod is an editor and co-founder of Aftermath, a worker-owned news site covering video games and internet culture. He previously worked at uh, Kotaku and the Washington Post. Uh, In previous life, he ran a small press devoted to transgender fiction and also lived on a boat. Welcome, Riley. Very glad to have you here. Uh, Thank you. So uh, as regular viewers know, we always dress up in costume, you know, crazy costumes for this show. And this is pretty crazy for you. So tell the the YouTube viewers can of course see that bright color, but tell the uh, the podcast listeners what you're wearing today. Uh, I'm wearing yellow, definitely not black, which is a big deal for you because yeah, I don't wear colors. I don't understand them. And... Yeah, yeah, same here. I wear <laughs> and so you know to match. I went with this like sky blue periwinkle, which. Let me tell you, with the, uh, with the, I mean, the jeans, like bright blue jeans, this is, I never, like never, I'm, you know, so yes, we are, we are out of our comfort zones a little bit. Uh, (laughs) So, so I've been very excited to have you on the show because before we've, you know, we've had Emmy winning TV writers, we've had poets, we've had horror, we've had, you know, all these writers and all these different uh, genres, but you're now writing for this media outlet. Uh, and so how has that been going, starting your own media company? Yeah, um, we started our own media company. Um, there's five of us. We had all previously worked together at Kotaku, which is a 
games news outlet, famously part of the Gawker Network, which you might know was oh, yeah. bankrupted by Hulk Hogan in 2016, and then sold to Univision, who also failed, who sold us to a private equity firm who just have destroyed it. Um, they're terrible. And we all sort of scattered to the winds. I went to the Washington Post to run their games vertical launcher. Uh, three months after I started, they closed launcher. Oh. Um, so that was very sad for me. And then, yeah, we decided to start our own. We have a lot of our colleagues from Deadspin um, started oh, yeah. Defector, which is a worker-owned sports outlet. And so we sort of followed in their footsteps and started our own thing. Um, we launched that in early November. So it's been like almost, it's been like a, a month and a half, which is ridiculous. Um, and it's great. It's hard. I think it's um, it's really exciting not to have, you know, anybody telling us what to do, getting to write the stuff we want to write. Um, the flip side of that is like, there's nobody to tell you what to do and you don't right. know what to do. You have to do all the things. You have to be all the guys. Like that's super stressful, um, but exciting. And and the world of gaming is so broad now. I yeah. Mean, this is, you know, do you have like a, a, a particular focus? Or are you trying to cover, you know, esports and, uh, you know, whatever the new titles are and all that stuff or, or you know? It's hard. I mean, it's exciting because we don't, because we're reader funded and we're subscription based, um, you know, we don't have to chase SEO. So it's, you don't have to write, you know, here's the review of the latest game. Here's a guide about how to do whatever in Fortnite. Like, you don't, there's not a real value in like aggregating news, which is where a lot of other sites get there. So it's like, it's the freedom is exciting, but also I think I personally find it like a little hard because like so many things will be happening and you're like, what do I write about? Though? Right. What do I do? And and I think we're still like finding our way, but it's exciting to not have to chase those those trends. But um, and is it almost like a, a, a you know like long form? Like you can go deeper and you know yeah. look at something more carefully than you know somebody going, hey, crank out a listicle about you know these yeah, games, you know <laughs> which like... I've done so much of, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. which is like great. Yeah, we have you know we can do the kind of reporting that our you know bosses at other companies were always like, no, like don't. I mean, the flip side of that is there's five of us. You know, there's only so many people to do. Yes only so much and so I definitely feel like very pressured to like you know doing those investigations still takes a lot of time and that means somebody isn't writing and what does that mean and, and so that's always like hard but it's the response has been great the community is like great um I mean, the yeah. nice thing is for aftermath you know it's you know I've, I've read a couple it's high quality Almost. stuff and so my yeah, hope is <laughs> that people will go oh okay I could yeah I could read 10,000 little short pieces about this game or one that actually is thoughtful and longer yeah. and you know clearer and and so I'm hoping folks check out Aftermath and that that will then kind of linger you know the people yeah. go, oh the resource about this game is this well-written site you know yeah I mean something that was so exciting about working at the Washington Post briefly was like you know having the having an institution like that take games seriously i think yeah. that a lot of mainstream outlets and a lot of like non-gamers just think it's silly stuff for kids and like there's the boring line that it's a bigger industry than like movies and blah 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 and like regular people don't care about that who cares how much money it makes but like everybody plays games and it's a real medium that's interesting and that you can treat like an interesting thing and it's also like full of money and power and affecting our lives and like you know 
just this week, like Epic Games, who makes Fortnite, won its trial against Google, whom they had launched this offensive against about app store fees. And this is part of a broader trend by the FTC about antitrust laws. And so it's like that video game that your kids do the dances from is like, could have powerful effects on like the the tech monopolies that control our country. Huge effects, yeah. Yeah, like it's worth picking seriously. I mean, precedent setting, but you're right. I mean, yeah, it's so interesting. The money, the talent that is going into the gaming industry is, you know, this is, it is, it is Hollywood sized and doesn't get the same kind of attention. And then from a writing perspective, like it's great for my students when I can talk about, Uh, yeah. (laughs) You know, you you want to write the the writers of the games, the people who are writing about the games, like this is, this is legitimate you know like uh you know well thought out it's this is not pong (laughs) yeah totally right (laughs) people are doing really brilliant writing plus the other day lecturing on um on the 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 kind of waves of feminism through history Mm. and oh gosh (laughs) real strong argument that gamergate was what led to fourth wave feminism like wow cool (laughs) yeah i mean it was an awful event right but it was historic and it was you know and then students are like really video games and like yeah they've changed the world did you teach your you taught your students about gamergate you had to talk them about how gamergate led to the rise of the alt-right and god (laughs) they don't deserve that yeah that these people who you know were were going after you know uh, started going after women video game creators then started going after people of color who were standing up for them especially women of color yeah no. then revealed themselves to be you know uh the tiki torch you know, no totally i mean like, we just saw this with like connected. the guy who attacked paul pelosi right has said yep. several times that like he got it from gamergate and we yep. definitely have seen it come back and it's it's bonkers yeah it's, yeah and i think people who don't take video games seriously don't understand right. they're influencing our politics they're in i mean this is where I'm my students, yeah. you know, who sat during COVID and did nothing but play video games. Right. Nobody was like paying attention to who are you speaking with while you are. Yeah, it's games. a real problem. And so there's some scary stuff that our you know young people were exposed to. On the other hand, they are engaged in discourse that often the <laughs> the adults right. around them are like. I don't know what intersectionality means. And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, ask <laughs> the kids. They were talking about it on Discord while they were playing. You know. Uh, I mean, right. It's like, I, I think big outlets like the Post, like turning away from that. I think that you main, mainstream media, like if you're not paying attention to this space, you're going to be caught flat footed when things like Gamergate happen or even like the Discord leaks that we saw where like ah. I was still at the Post then and we had a bunch of people you know, rush to us and be like, what's what's Discord? And we're like, oh, <laughs> right. like yeah. it's been full of Nazis forever. And now this ah. thing is happening. And like, and I think ah. that not taking these spaces seriously is just going to leave everyone sort of, you know, shocked when these things happen that yeah. games journalists game know are happening. With, uh, Talia Lavin, who I had on the show, was oh, cool. writing this last week about um, uh, Substack has been yeah, platforming gosh. Nazis. Yeah, no, we know. <laughs> it's like, Nazis everywhere. You know, these folks can show up and go, hey, give us money. And people are like, okay. And so, yeah, yeah. how do you police these platforms? That's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, so. who knows? That's tough. I mean, Alex Jones is back on Twitter. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's happening what? now? What? And, and you know, and I, I just, I, it never ends. I had a character in one of my novels where, uh, who I just, you know, would like, he was, totally based on alex jones who's this you know yeah. werewolf villain and he was always screaming <laughs> and in fact in, in the one draft i had him all every time he spoke it was all caps because i feel like alex jones it's all caps all the time. <laughs> 
And uh, not only did the editors say, ah, the all caps thing is hard to read. Like, let's go That's away true, from yeah. that. But they were like, nobody would ever say these things. And I was like, no, he literally said yeah. these things. He actually <laughs> did say, you know, the, 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 the water's turning the frogs gay. Like, that's oh gosh, literally yeah. the kind of guy he is. He, I is, mean, he is too extreme for fiction. Like, yeah. editors found him unbelievable. But like, is it an act? I mean, that was what's kind of interesting about the trial against him was I was like, man, what do you do? Do you, like, defend yourself and say it's an act or and then, like, blow up your spot or, like... Well, How do you handle I'm glad that? He was held to account. Like, yeah. hey, you have to acknowledge this is this is a grift, yeah. or you have to say no, it's not a grift, and pay the and, consequences. Yeah, and go down. So, yeah, yeah so that was uh, you know. I, I hope those folks actually get their money. I mean, it's just like the Giuliani yeah. thing. Oh, I'm broke. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. Hope those folks get their money too. Yeah, gosh. So, uh, when you have been you know, a- avoiding work when you've been procrastinating this last week, what's been pulling your attention away from your, from your actual work? Gosh, I mean, I, I do a lot of baking. That's pretty fun. Um, I, I got into sourdough like years after everybody else did during the pandemic and you have to sort of feed it all the time. And I've ended yeah. up with way more discard than I have places to put it. So I've just been like, could everything be sourdough? Could it go in this? What are some of the wild things you figured out how to do with sourdough? Gosh, what have I done with sourdough? Um, I can make some really good brownies with oh, it, which is like very fancy. Brownies. Yeah, which is actually quite good. And then I made a, um, I can make a Dutch baby out of it, which is pretty good. And yeah. then some biscuits like basically just everything could be sourdough now which yeah is cool. oh that sounds um, delicious that sounds fantastic it's really fun it's like very time consuming like all sourdough things take like forever but you don't have to do that much you just have to kind of be around it so there's something yeah. like very lovely about like oh yeah i spent all weekend and i eventually got you know a brownie it just took yeah. you know 48 well, also, hours I, mean, I i got into bonsai and found oh cool it for my mental health because yeah. it's not finished the sourdough yeah. is never done. At least you get some product out of it. Yeah, you get this is a little more concrete. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, do you find that it's like, oh, I, I need to go work on the sourdough because I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> yeah, stressing right now. This is a yeah, sort of it's nice to. Space to be in. I had sort of gotten into bread as a way to kind of learn to fail, like when I first started yeah. making, because like it, it feels like it takes so long, and it's such a big deal that you've made a shitty loaf of bread, but also it's like. 50 cents worth of flour or something right. like it doesn't matter that you failed and you're wasting food and that sucks but like and so it was kind of a really good lesson for me about like yep like this didn't work and it, and that's okay the, the way learning's supposed to work like yeah you know, as opposed to, to like learning to fail uh, is hard yeah yeah I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm not good at not, this has been like a real lesson, I think, with starting our own business is like, it's all this new stuff, and I don't know how to do it. And it makes me feel bonkers. It makes me nuts that I don't know how to do it. And I didn't think I was like that at all. And so it's been this terrible, like, self-reflective experience. And I'm like, I don't enjoy this at all. Well, I've, I've been surprised by how, how few resources there are that are really practical. Like there's, yeah, the books. You know, there's right. okay. I'm, you know, I, I could read books till you, but some. Well, it's all like grifters. Like, like, yes, yeah. yeah, it's some you know like motivational speaker yeah. selling their thing. But like, I need practical. Like, yeah, I don't need any of that. <laughs> yeah, and and you know the the, the, the walkthroughs. You'd think there's so yeah. many folks involved in trying to help you know small business people yeah. get started. And yet it's that magic thing that you didn't, you know, you're like a year in and somebody goes, you know, you could do this. And you're like, what? right. Why did no one ever tell me that? This happened to me just this week. I met with like a money guy to, yeah. to make sure that I was about to do the right thing with my money. And he was like, oh, but you should think about this. And I'm like, 
what? <laughs> like, where was this advice? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, oh, I was shoot. talking to another publisher who was like, like, oh, yeah, well, you need to do this on the distribution side. And I was like, huh? how did I get <laughs> 10 years in and no one ever yeah. told me that, you know? It's exciting. I think being like a worker-owned we're not legally a co-op because it involves a lot of paperwork that I don't understand. But um, being in that space, a lot of people will help you and there's a lot of resources. And that's been kind of, to me, the best thing is we definitely talk to like our colleagues who started outlets. And I'm like, how did you do X? And how did you do Y? And like, everyone has their own particular problems and their own particular ways. So in that way, it's not totally helpful. But like the willingness of everybody to share information is really great. And so yeah, I really love that a lot. The yeah. best thing for me is other publishers saying, yeah. oh, you know, I'm networking with those folks. And yeah. I'm like, Here's something I wish I'd known starting out. Like, thank yeah, you. I love that, that so much. Yeah, yeah, I'm just doing everything wrong and I'm going to fix it later. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of the de facto business guy because I'm oh, good at yeah. doing unpleasant tasks. I just <laughs> do just a lot. On you. Yeah. I like my piece about this game that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. Riley will do the business. I spent all day right. trying to be the payroll department oh, on yeah. Friday. And it's like, oh. how is this so hard? Like, <laughs> Well, I'm with a, you're a staff of five now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not quite it's, HR level, but it's no, but HR it's like, level. Like it's starting to navigate people too. Like, yeah. Right. Do I have all the documents and which payment processor should I use? And well, how about this? And what about that? And then the bank called and they're like, what are you doing with your money? And I had to talk to them. And it's like, ugh. Uh, so did you recently move to DC? Uh, so I moved to DC last uh, November. And then they closed my department in January. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm still here. Uh, it's not my favorite town. I lived in New York for a long, long time before this. And um, it's a pretty town, but it's a weird town. The it vibes are weird. Vibe, yeah. Uh, so I'm like, I'm ready to leave it. My, my lease will be up in the spring and I'll move on. Um, you can go. Yeah, this is the nice thing. I about could go anywhere. You can live anywhere. Yeah, yeah. which is very well, stressful. <laughs> and then the trick is, do you want to live in a really cool city? Cool cities are yeah. expensive. Right. And so, you know, you can live someplace that's inexpensive, uh, but yeah. you're far away from, you know, everything that's been going on. But you've gotten into backpacking recently. Yeah, I've gone to bikepacking. The one cool thing about D.C. is that it, there's the outdoors is right there. Like in New York, it's a big city. Yeah. And here it's like, oh, you bike a few miles and then you're like in the woods. And that's been like amazing. So I, of course, having problems, bought a bike and was basically like, how far can I get from my problems? Yeah. All the way to Pittsburgh, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing all this. You just pack a bunch of camping shit on your bike and off you go into the woods. And so I've been having oh. all these really great adventures and yeah, back in October, I took my bike on the train to Pittsburgh, and then there's a bike path that comes all the way back, which is like 350 miles. It took me like a week. Wow. Um, and I just biked all day for Oh, that's days. a good dream. And but... October is nice. You know, yeah, it was beautiful. weather, but October yeah. is beautiful out there. It's very hot here really in the cool. summer. I, I tried to do a little trip back in like August out to like all these gravel roads in Virginia and my, I got a, my bike broke down and I couldn't fix it. And I was like, this is cool. I'll just walk 15 miles to my campsite. I'll be fine. Cause I'd run a marathon the year before I was like, I can do this. And, um, it was like a hundred degrees and I'm pushing my bike and all my shit. And I was like, I could die though. Like this actually yeah. is like a problem. Yeah. And, and this old like, couple rescued me. Like, this is me. why nobody wanted this land. It's yeah. <laughs> this like, it really is. <laughs> Apparently isn't actually a swamp. Yeah. It gets real hot here. It's, it gets real. Ugh, yeah. I've been in but... August and I was like, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. But in the spring it's beautiful. Like the cherry blossoms is a big thing here. And I had never really heard about it. And I was like, whatever, who cares? And then I like saw them and I was like, 
okay <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's it. just pretty yeah. beautiful like uh, yeah that's cool well, and and falls too i mean or, you know, yeah, yeah that, that's and now that's it's just like really cool. it's cloudy and it's raining but it won't snow and that's just like well snow. that's oregon all the time like yeah uh, i love uh, oregon but no so we get about a, a, a you yeah. know, month of sunny and the rest of it which means it's yeah. very green i love the green yeah it's beautiful uh, but uh, it's rainy and cloudy all the time but we yeah. don't have the humidity that's the big thing yeah my, my family lives in the midwest and they're like oh yeah you gotta move back to ohio and i'm like mm, no 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 yeah, it's like, terrible the, i like the, the green without the yeah. humidity it's pretty great <sighs> that must be lovely i went out to portland like i guess exactly 11 years ago facebook recently reminded me and i had never seen the pacific ocean before oh really but i've like lived near the atlantic and i'm like you know it's an ocean whatever and my friend drove me out there and i was like have i never seen an ocean before like <laughs> yeah it's and, a different um, animal it really yeah is. i'd like, love to live out there. different size yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very cool I was in Portland over this last summer, I guess, and I someone had asked me for directions, and I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't live here." And then I'm like, "I'm like a white guy with a beard and tattoos. Like, how do I not live here? Like, yeah, I look like I'm totally lying." Like, it's like a very welcoming state in that way. Yeah, you. Yeah, would, you, yeah. I would love. I should would, just, you would do. Well that's where I should go. For the last yeah. 11 years, I've been like, I'm just going to move to Portland. And I yeah, just never. Yeah. You'll find that the real estate is about half of New York and still obscenely expensive. You'll yeah, that's find, the problem. <laughs> you know, it's crazy in this, you know, in Portland. But you get out of Portland and it gets yeah. pretty reasonable. So Yeah, that'd be great. That's the that's the balance. I would, you know, there's a lot of I've got a lot of friends who live in Portland itself, and I'm like, oh, I'm driving up there all the time, and I'm like, it is yeah. really cool to live here in Portland, and also, oh, it's obscene. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a bike route that goes all the way across the country from D.C. to Astoria, Oregon, which oh. is the greatest town in the world. So part of me is like, all right, like, what if when my lease is up, I just go and I end up in Astoria, and then I live there. Like, oh yeah, yeah, Astoria. I did. Yes, yeah, but so everyone you know, I know who lives fan, there, because you know, no. I actually had never like I I I stayed there for a little bit eleven years ago and I didn't know much about the Goonies. Uh, if you miss like, the Goonies as a kid, it, you, yeah. it will never work. Like, you'll beautiful. watch it as an adult and like, go, "What yeah. this movie was a hit? It's dumb." Yeah. <laughs> you have Goonies has to hit you at just the right time. Yeah, everyone I know who lives in Astoria said you know it's it was too small and they eventually like you know needed to know more people. But I'm like, well, I sounds perfect. Like I'll yeah. live in this beautiful Victorian house and I won't ever see anybody and it'll be great. Yeah, and it's a, a beautiful and it's a fun town. Show to, I mean, it's a fun town to show off to you know to, yeah. to friends and stuff. You know, but oh, it's a beautiful town. As overwhelming as like, oh, I've got friends visiting New York. What yeah. are going to show them? Because like, that's ten weeks. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful town. Yeah, um, maybe I'll do that. So, one of the questions I always ask folks is, if you were a D and D character, so not <laughs> not playing D and D, but if you yourself were uh, I see. in a D and D game. Yeah. Uh, just as a way of kind of for for readers out there of aftermath to get to know you, what oh, no. would be your race and class? Ugh, I don't. I'm not into D and D. I think I'm the only person in the world who isn't into D and D. I tried I, to play I, with some friends. Oh, you just asked this question. You're not into I it. I asked this question as just kind of a Rorschach because yeah, my, <laughs> my and, and people are like, oh, this I would use this spell, this spell, and I just pretend like yeah, I know what you're talking. Oh no, you know, I'm just... not a big time player myself, but it is an interesting way to get to know like what you know what kind of person would you be? Yeah, when I. When I played with some friends many years ago, I was a bard. I think I was a human, which, which as far as I understood, meant I just got to be kind of a weirdo. And they'd be like, we're going to do this smart thing. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to do this this stupid thing. <laughs> and that was yes. very me. And that was very fun. But I find yeah. the like, the you know, checking everything and the stats and, and all that. And I remember like, I, I didn't understand all the leveling up. So I just didn't do it. And then at some point our like 
DM was like, are you not leveling up? And I was like, no. And she's like, why? And I'm like, oh, I want to do the math. That's a lot of math. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was subsequently, you know, drifted away from the, from the Well, group. and now you're going to find as a business owner, oh, what, yeah. you know, it's a lot All of I math. do is math. <laughs> math, all the spreadsheets. What am I oh doing? my God. Yes. So many spreadsheets. I don't, I don't even know how to make us like, I made a function in Excel for the first time. I was like, who am I? <laughs> well, but then it's like, isn't it's great. It like, oh yeah, God. the first time you do it, you're like, oh my gosh, it's doing the math for me. That's so uh, great. I just did it. I was trying to add up all of our sales and I did it by hand. And then I was like, this doesn't seem right. And then I realized that I could just download the data and write a function. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah, have to spend three hours. I've got ones yeah. that are for each of our authors. And I, I just put in the sales and it calculates their royalties. Oh, smart. It just take forever because they get yeah. a different rate for paperback and a different rate for right. cover and different sales channels have different profit margins. And it's yeah. a mess. And now I just go click, click. And the first oh, time so I made that, I was like, this is a triumph. No one else will appreciate. <laughs> it's hard. It's like I feel like it's very lonely to do the businessy stuff, uh, yeah. and I'm both like very overwhelmed and kind of excited because it does feel really empowering to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. like oh, all the things only the CEO can do for millions of dollars. I'm like, I'm the CEO now. Okay. I can do that. Yeah, um, but it is now, when, when people are coming to you saying, "I need to understand this," and you're like, "I am the only one in the company yeah. that knows this." <laughs> I'll help you. <laughs> very cool okay so we'll go to our ad break and when we come back i'm going to ask you what you've been daydreaming about lately. oh gosh authors poets screenwriters writers of all kinds we're putting together our team for the alzheimer's association's annual the longest day fundraiser and we want you to join us to use your writing superpowers for a good cause Our team, Writing Against the Darkness, joins together via Zoom or in-person meetups and writes from dawn until dusk on the summer solstice. And we also do a dress rehearsal to kick things off on the shortest day, the winter solstice. So mark your calendars for Thursday, December 21st, 2023, and Thursday, June 20th, 2024. We're teaming up with some wonderful partner organizations to build our team. Thanks to the Author Alchemy Summit, Indigo Editing, Unsolicited Press, Pile Press, the Pile Press Magazine Chunk, and Overcut Press for joining with Not A Pipe Publishing in this fundraiser. Links to all the partners in the show notes. If you want to get to network with writers from these great partners, get a whole lot of writing done, and raise funds for Alzheimer's research and care for families suffering from this disease, click on the link in the show notes and join the team. You're going to be writing anyway. Why not write even more and do some extra good for the world? Welcome back, everybody. So, Riley, what have you been daydreaming about lately? Yeah, I guess this is against the, the theme of the idea of writers not writing. But when I'm not running a media company and writing nonfiction, I'm a fiction writer as well. And so I've been working on a novel for like several years now about cults and climate change. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about what should be in the novel and how I should be working on it. And um, I love to do research. So doing way more research than any person needs to do for anything and so spend a lot of time thinking about that and reading books ah. about that and, and so when you say cults and climate change is it like how cult how a cult is dealing with climate change or yeah how it's is... basically about this cult that believes in the hollow earth um and they are gonna because of climate change it's a sign that you know the world is ending and they're gonna sail through the hole in the arctic to the hollow earth and this person who's studying them and and sort of about like you know what? What do you do <laughs> with how the world is ending, and and sort of more stuff than that. And I um, I have a background in like religion and religious studies, and so it was really fun for me to get to write them a whole like theology and all kinds of rituals and fun stuff like that. And 
Um, it's actually, a, there used to be a cult that believed in kind of a similar thing in the late 1800s, early 1900s. There's a state park in Florida where they, um, they had built their like compound in the you know 1910s or something. And now it's a state park. And I really, my parents live in Florida. I really want to get them to drive me to yeah. it. But it's like across the state. Were they apocalyptic um, too? Like the world is going to end and we're the only. No, I don't think so. Be- they were weird. They're called the Koreshian Unity. And they tried to like take over politics in Chicago in like 1815 and were like run out or something and went to Florida, like something wild. And I didn't know about this when I started. And I was like, oh, what the heck? So that was like really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I just spent a lot of time wishing that I were, you know, working on fiction instead of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. instead of doing I mean, business. I think but... there are so many interesting questions there about power and identity. You know, yeah. is, it, is it people feeling like they don't have power I've got a friend who's got a theory that the the reason people, you know, fall into especially the really bizarre, really deep conspiracy, you know, conspiratorial thinking is, he says, it's secret knowledge. They want to say, I know better than you. And you once somebody's in that framework, you cannot possibly argue them out because when you say you're wrong, they say, oh, you're feeding my 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 belief that I have more power than you, that I have the secret knowledge. And so, you know, it's become such a a thing. And there's there's been a lot of really good like cult documentaries lately. And um, a a guy who used to work with us, Jennings Brown, has done these great um, podcasts about cults. He did one about Teal Swan, who's a woman on YouTube, um, which they then turned into a Hulu documentary and blah, blah, blah. And so I think that, you know, especially like with the pandemic and people sort of looking for certainty and people get into these things and it's so it's how do you get out and how how do you admit you were wrong and I was like I fell down this hole and I found there's like like remember Heaven's Gate there's like a couple people who weren't there who are like still alive and there's like one guy who's like still championing it and I'm like fascinated by this one like what like what is that like like just for you all of your friends died and you're out here carrying the banner for this thing that that people talk about in a certain way and like I think there are probably a lot of you know readjust. You know, if you're saying yeah, the world like, will end on this date, I remember and it doesn't, a, right? <laughs> a couple in my parents' church, oh gracious, who, um, believed that the rapture was going to happen at you know at midnight in on on, on New Year's Eve, 1999, right? Yeah, the 2000 was the millennium. It was going to be, yeah. And so they, like you know, everybody else is doing their New Year's Eve parties, and they went to church and just sat in the sanctuary, and they were just you know, we're just going to pray, and then the rapture is going to happen, and you know that that way you know, this is all going to kind of take care of itself. And I always wondered, like, at what point do you leave? <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Yeah. yeah How at what do, point you... do you go? Okay, well, uh, maybe we got the time zone wrong. So let's sit here for another hour. Like, when do you acknowledge error? Yeah. And I mean, that, we've I seen that happen. Really yeah. hard for folks to go. Yeah. Oh, we were so committed to this belief. And it didn't pan out. I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that a Heaven's Gate person is still. And it's wild. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this guy. Because <laughs> yeah. it's hard. I mean, I think there's lots of, you know, there's lots of these cults that are obviously cults and they're bad. But I think there's also like just a lot of people who believe like wacky stuff. And so I'm like very interested in like the line there of like, yeah. there are plenty of people who are just, you know, wacky and they're not doing anything wrong. It's just, you know, weird. And like, but then what makes it, you know, you, I think you think about, you know, religion and what makes something a religion and not a cult and, well, you know, and throughout I, American I, history, like right, you know, the I, I, are I am firmly of the belief that you know even the term cult is kind of 
Yeah, oh, you're not supposed to say it. It's really just a way of saying not my beliefs. Yeah, like, new you know, new religious movements. Yeah, Christianity the, is a the cult of Judaism. Like, right. uh, Mormonism <laughs> is a cult of Christianity. Like, oh, it's just, if that's what it means, it's just an offshoot, uh, you know, that is uh, a, a group of people who uh, don't stick with the dogma, right? So, yeah. you know, so, yeah, I, I think that, that I, I love the idea of, of, you know, connecting it to climate change in your book. Like, it is the yeah. uncertainty that leads people to go, I see bad things happening. There must be some kind of other solution that I can grab onto. Yeah. It, um, it sort of deals, their beliefs sort of deal with the idea that it's like, it's very much your fault. Like this is all happening because you're bad, you know? And and yeah. so it's been a good place to put my own like anxieties. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've enjoyed that a lot. Where I feel like every time I'm upset, I'm like, put it in the book. It goes in the book. Yeah. Um, but this has not been good for like writing the book, which yes, you know. yes, well, and it, yeah, and it's very challenging for your, uh, you know, it is good for your mental health, uh, but uh, yeah, it is also like, the, yeah. you know, is, the, is the book itself going to be just this like, you know, yeah, all like of the weight full of my panic yeah, around? That is a tension I hold too, where I'm like, oh, yeah. and you know, the, suddenly this this latest passage in my book is just like a meditation on death. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does this need to be here yeah, yeah. it's hard but it's know, funny it's as like that was the energy you know yeah as an editor i feel like i'm so good at like you know somebody hands me a giant manuscript and i'm like i got this i can do it but like as a writer it's like i have to write every word like oh my god like no this is how does anyone do this like yeah, yeah. and did, did you say one of your characters is kind of studying and following yes yeah. so that's the, a smart yeah. way to kind of provide the reader with a way to kind of yeah i've had a lot of fear that like i like the cult too much (laughs) and Mm. so i feel like having like an outsider um kind of leans back in my own tendency to just want to be like i've I've just invented a religion (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah somebody Um, studying it from the outside who can kind of see the good and the bad the danger of that yeah it's yeah it's been fun i went to uh the tin house summer workshop last year i guess and that was super helpful for it and that was great and and getting to be in a space with other fiction writers and do that and so how long is that one um it's like a week um yeah it was super oh my gosh it's like you know all these brilliant smart people and they'll just they're just around and they'll talk to you and it's you know really cool yeah and it's um, structured where it's like people just you know are like oh yeah this is what i wrote today and i was you know yeah like, you all own, and then you get together in the evenings kind of a thing there's like class you have like a workshop cohort and uh, mine was led by aro kwan who coincidentally wrote a book about cults um yeah. called the uh the incendiaries is the name of her book oh, my god um so that was like you know amazing and and so you you bring in your stuff and everybody workshops it and then there's like readings and stuff in the afternoons and like yeah, it was amazing. Super yeah, great. That's so. cool. Yeah, I that's highly cool. recommend folks out there if you can go to those kinds of workshops. Yeah. They can be very spendy, but boy, they're valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was so great. So, so I'd recommend it. So when you're you know outside of your your uh, fiction writing, what is it you want folks to know about that's going on right now? I mean, I think this was pretty <sighs> straightforward. Just what's happening? I mean, no, my I'm website. talking about the, the website itself. Yeah, you should know about my website, aftermath.site. Yes. <laughs> um, because all the domain names are taken. So uh, <laughs> that was a whole journey. Um, and then you can't name your company the name of other companies in the state, but also things that are a little similar to It's really hard to name a company. Um, <laughs> that was a whole journey. So yeah, I want people to know about our site, aftermath.site. Yeah, Please subscribe yeah. to our website. Check it out, folks. It, it's, it's it's great. You know, it, it's thoughtful. I mean, even if like I was reading about a couple of games that I have not played, and I still oh, found the articles interesting. I was like, yeah. oh, this is thoughtful. You know, kind of. 
you know, it, it wasn't just like, you know, oh, this is only interesting to the person who is halfway through this game. But yeah, you know, I, 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 I appreciated somebody, you know, kind of guiding me through the, what was the thinking behind, you know, some of the mechanics and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's such a challenge, I think, with games to to explain enough of them that that someone who hasn't played it w- will understand it, but then not just becoming a list of like all the things you do in a game and that's so hard. And like, I don't know if you've ever played like EVE Online, which is a game I've never played, but I will read about forever. It's like this online space game where people make corporations and they stab each other oh. in the back. And it's like re- the drama is like off the chain. It's amazing. And like, yeah, I am. I have read, I've never played yeah, it. It's amazing. Warcraft, I mean, I, and I have read yeah. articles about, did you hear about the latest drama on World of Warcraft? And yeah, like, and it's like, yeah. This article, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> if somebody screwed up the economic system or whatever, yeah, it was it's like, like the best, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Like, here's a, a, a you know, basically an online experiment that is going on. It's yeah. genuinely interesting, even if you're not a player. So yeah, and I feel like that's the best kind of stories to find are these kinds of you know what 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 are what are what interesting things are players doing with games and how can that be interesting even if you've never played the game and like so right. like yeah, I'm going to be interested. This next uh, uh, Lego just announced a partnership with Fortnite. And oh, I've been playing that. Oh. Have you been playing it yet? Yeah. I yeah. used to cover Fortnite for Kotaku, and now I think I actually like it, which yeah, makes yeah, me really yeah, cool yeah. to young people because I know what they're talking about. My but... son hates Fortnite because was... <laughs> my nephew hates Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, he was that age where it was like Fortnite was for kids yeah. one year younger, you know, and yeah. so he you know, like, oh. has this deep aversion. Like he feels mm. about Fortnite the way my generation of boys felt about, you know, new kids on the block. Like we had to hate <laughs> them, you know? And because uh, he was playing Apex, totally different. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and so like, but my fiance owns a Lego store, and they're both oh wow the Legos. And so cool. like the the Lego pairing, you know, I think the business angle uh, on that story is going to be really interesting. Does yeah, it, it is to Lego sales. Does this lead to right? There's some mechanics in the game that are genuine building. It's not just a you know a. a Oh, what do they call the the uh, ones where you're just slaughtering each other? Down. Yeah, I mean it's funny because in Fortnite you do like build like in the battle royale part of Fortnite, but it's pretty simple. And I Lego Fortnite seems to be a lot of like it's kind of like Minecraft and it's kind of like Roblox yes. and and you have little Lego versions of your little Fortnite guys, which I'm sure will obviously be a merchandising tie-in, yeah. um, which is like you know interesting. And I I, I need to play. It. I actually have, I'm going to play it with like a friend. I think this week because it's a little bit like lonely by yourself. Oh. Yeah. But, um, but that also changed because of that. I think they introduced a bunch of like age gating to the content in Fortnite, mm-hmm. and that was a whole big drama among players. And like, that's really interesting. And right. so, like, yeah, it's, and how yeah, do you set those limits and how do you enforce them? Yeah. These are interesting questions, even outside of the game. So. Yeah, I mean, Fortnite is such a, like, Epic Games, who wants Fortnite, has said for years that they want to be the metaverse, that thing which came and went, you know, last yeah. year, except for them. And so just a couple of weeks ago, they they launched Lego Fortnite, and then a rhythm game, and then a racing game. And all of these things are, like, within, you know, you open up Fortnite, but then there are these totally other games that are, like, also in Fortnite. And, like, you know, I hate to hand it to them, but, like, it is the right. metaverse, and it is a version of the metaverse i think one of the problems with the metaverse is like you you don't want to put on a headset and go to a zoom meeting nobody wants to do that you know but like you want to play video games and here's other video games you can play inside the video game you're like yeah sounds great so like like rock concerts in the game yeah which were great you know yeah which i covered and they were amazing i wonder (laughs) there's a there's an antitrust question i wonder if facebook is buying those companies and saying how do we buy them because yeah, they, they were like, we're going all in on the metaverse and it never really took that off. didn't work out at all but they it's working money. out 
I mean, it's working oh. out for Epic. Like they've seen huge spikes yeah. in, in player count and stuff like that. I mean, they also just had massive, massive layoffs uh, like every other game company this year. But um, so like, I, I can like sort of respect the vision. I think it's, I have to, I look at it askance, but you know, I, I see what they're trying to do and, yeah. and like, they do things well, you know, the rhythm game is cool. Lego Fortnite is cool. Like it's not, you know, half-assed, like, no. sorry, yeah. like tie-ins, but yeah, it's anyway, smart, that's cool. It's, yeah. It's, it's good business. Like, you know, yeah. this is, you know, <laughs> lefties like us have now become business people and we're like, right. oh <laughs> well, yeah, I can respect the business angle. Like, oh, and I feel good. I know. How do you <laughs> not like lose your soul? It's so complicated. <laughs> because like you have to know it i don't know i think that's one of the hard things is like being having been you know rebellious writers it's easy to be like i don't care about metrics i don't care about money and now i'm like oh i care about those things a lot now because yes, <laughs> like yes, yeah. they affect if i can pay my rent and, well uh, and if we can i mean you know the tension for us is like we're lefties like oh i you know i want to take care yeah. of people and then you find yeah. yourself as a business leader and you're like i have people to take care of Wait, like, like what do you my, do? <laughs> you know i gotta keep the lights on and i gotta get these people paid and <sighs> so my leftist impulse to take care of the people around me is coming up in conflict with my yeah. aversion to capitalism like <laughs> this is gross but i need to get this person money <laughs> uh, this happened to me just this week because i had like had to could finally like pay people and I had a bunch of people that needed to be paid but i had like not set up our payment processing and i was trying to figure out if i could do it and how do you do it and like is it a good idea what are the tax implications like how should we? and like people are like where's my money and i'm like i'm the evil boss yes. not giving you your money but it's like <laughs> i'm just an idiot who doesn't yeah. know how to get the money out of the bank account i swear like i'm not rolling around in a pile of your right. money i'm sitting on hold with the bank trying to ask them if it's okay if i like do this thing like yeah. but it's like very stressful yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't think people understand like the position we're in is like the small business owner where it's yeah. like i'm doing my best <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> yeah biggest small business owner. Workers have been very very cool like they're yeah. like i understand you're learning they've been very patient with me but yeah, yeah. there are times where i'm like i said i would get you your royalty <laughs> the 30th and you're getting them by the 15th right. month. sorry <laughs> it's hard where at least like when you're a part of a corporation like when i used to have to try to pay freelancers before it's like I'd go through the maze that is the corporate payout system and like you're not getting paid for some reason even i can't figure out yeah. we're here it's like okay at least i know the cause of this and it's my own failure but like <laughs> it's very simple to answer the question of like where your money is it's yeah. like next to me inside the computer right? yes i know who failed I... yeah it's me <laughs> i did it's so frustrating yeah so like, no, i've nice. totally been there yeah. um so one of the things we do is we always ask folks online you know some kind of poll question each week so what would be your poll question for the world mm, mine is going to be which is better winter or summer i am obsessed with being cold and I guess apt to my novel, the fact that it's like getting less and less cold fills me with like existential terror and I am going to run away to the Arctic and die in the in the cold before there's no cold ever again. So I think it's best to be cold. But other where people does that, don't where, where do you think that comes from for you? I think you just you just know you're alive. You just know where the limits of your body are. And like you can also get warm in a way that like when you're hot, you can't be unhot. See, but for like, me, this is so pathetic. It's body image. I don't want to have skin exposed. Yeah, I want to right. be covered up because I'm like, I don't want anybody to see my knees. Oh. gross. <laughs> <laughs> don't put me in weather where I have to wear shorts. I'll just be incredibly self-conscious. Shorts put are the me worst. In a place where I can put on a big coat and like yeah. cover myself up as much as possible. Okay, now I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, so I'm with you on so winter, my, absolutely, yeah. but not out of the, you know, out of, out of less uh, flattering reasons. <laughs> no. uh, so uh, when you, what is something that you have been reading lately when you should have been working? Wait, um, what have I been reading lately? Boy, um, I am like nearly at the end of The New Naturals. I'm really close to the end of that, which is about cults. Um, and... Oh, no, I'm sorry. And I meant to ask what you are looking forward to reading i I try not to make the you know any homework for the show so (laughs) what are you what have you been looking forward to next yeah um i've been trying to read all of in search of lost time for like literally forever which is probably like a boring thing that everybody says and every time i'm like i'm gonna start again i'd started like in you know 2009 or something when i was much younger and now i'm like i'm smarter now i should start again i'm like i bet i would get it now so i really want to get back to that what else is on my bookshelf um i feel like there are a ton of big books that came out this year that i haven't read um this other eden which everybody said was great which i haven't read um rebecca mckay's i have some questions for you which everybody said was great which i haven't read i feel like i do that thing where a book comes out and i like or i I like pre-order something and then it like shows up on my kindle and i'm like what's this oh man right away and then like something else shows up and i'm like no this now and like um speaking of uh your the project you're working on check out the book of joan uh, oh gosh, the name um it, it it is brilliant and it is about somebody trying to you know it is about kind of the religious impulse meeting the sexism of a society saying oh, it's going to be kind of our joan of arc character and we're yeah. going to lift her up and then destroy her i've heard of this yeah, <laughs> yeah really really and the writing is just phenomenally beautiful like she can describe being trapped in a room with a spider and you're like why am I so engrossed? But it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really great. So check yeah, that one. Book cool. of Jones. Yeah. Um, what else have you been looking at? You, you mentioned the, yes. uh, the, um, the Southern Eden. Uh, what's the good. I haven't even heard of the beast thing. Oh, it's some, like one of those 600 page novels from the UK about a family and their downfall or something like that, that people said was really good. I've got both the, like, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, shoot. She wrote Burnham Woods and everything. What is her name? Um, I'll find them and toss them in the uh, show notes and put them Yeah, whatever. Uh, Eleanor Catton, who's another people who writes these, like, you know, this book is 800 pages long, but everybody says it's amazing. Yeah. Or, like, that book Trust, which I'm like, Hernan Diaz, I think, which I'm like oh, yeah. halfway through, which is also like 600 pages long. I've read and, him, and people are like, you have to read People say it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, yes, yeah, so that, that's one I'll have to pick but up. But I finished a lot of, I recently read, um, Brian Washington's Family Meal, which came out a little bit ago, and that was, he's amazing. That was amazing. Um, he wrote Lot and Memorial. I feel like he's one of those authors where like these these incredibly sad things happen to characters, and at the moment where you think that like oh, and now something even more terrible will happen, he's like kind to them in this way that's just yes. like ah, uh, it's like heartbreaking. It's yeah, I, I tell my students what I like in my literature is at the end a little bit of hope. Not yeah, much, it's, it's so easy, much, but yeah. I don't want somebody who's going and it's just all misery. So like, yeah, I I love Cormac uh, McCarthy's The Road. I, yeah. I respect <laughs> Blood Meridian, but it's, yeah. Blood Meridian is just too grim at the end, you know. Yeah. But like, maybe they're gonna be okay. That I can believe in. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. good book. What else? What else? Good books I read. Like, gosh, I read Chain Gang All Stars, which was great. Um, so many books. I don't know. Yeah. So who, uh, you know, thinking about all these authors, who do you recommend I should get on this show? Mm. Um, 
uh, we were just talking about Leslie Jameson, I think would be great. She wrote this, um, this really great book about sobriety. Um, I, I got sober like four and a half years ago, I guess. And yeah, it's great. It's the, the best choice I've ever made. It's amazing. If you're thinking about getting sober, you should do it. Yes. Um, and, and every day, like it's every yeah, day. Good it's for you. awesome. And so I read, you know, all of the sobriety books because <laughs> um, I had a lot of free time to not be drinking yeah, um, right. and she had written this beautiful book called the recovering and i thought it was great and she's had a, a couple more books since then um which is great yeah yeah i will post a link yeah also i'll reach out that's a good call yeah okay uh so before we get to our sign off because i do want to hear your advice for everybody but before we get to our send off i got some folks to thank uh thanks to the artist max oakland who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro song i prefer the dusk dusk let Max know you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. And thanks to Halizma CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. Uh, if you're in a band, you'd like your song used on the show, I'd love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song, so email that to me. Thanks, as always, to Doug, the producer, for making this show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. And I cannot forget to mention Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com. Check out the amazing books by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. Uh, if you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. Please check out Riley's Aftermath.site, uh, right? Aftermath.site. Aftermath.site for some really insightful uh, writing about video games and the kind of world of the, that whole industry. So check that out and uh, tell people about it. Tell other, tell your friends. Yes, hey, I read the share an article. It makes a big difference. Please uh, do. We have gift subscriptions. Buy a oh, subscription. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for your description. For your friends. Yes. And then uh, click on that little thumbs up for this show as well. Uh, an odd number of times. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, and uh, let's see. So, Riley, for this next week, what's your advice for uh, our, all of our viewers and listeners? Uh, my advice is that worrying about something is not the same as solving it, which has been something I feel like this week as I've dealt with lots of new small business things, I'll be really worried. And then I'll be like, oh, I worked so hard. I'm like, no, you didn't, though. You just sat here and you worried and you didn't do anything. And I'm also like not very good at stopping worrying mm -hmm. i think i think if i just perseverate about this problem long enough i'll fix it even though i know that it involves like you have to call an agency during the work you know from nine to five and right now it's 10 o'clock on a thursday and you can't do it and i'm like well i'm just gonna sit here and, and worry yeah so i would oh, say I that totally yes that doesn't work absolutely <laughs> yeah. you know, my, my modus operandi too if i just worry enough no, yeah, you're that right. it'll work. Yeah, it needs won't. to be done. Break it down into steps. But yeah, yes, totally let, it, agree. let it go. So that's my um, advice. And I always tell folks the uh, a book without spaces would be gibberish, and our lives need spaces too. So don't <laughs> ignore the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of. You. If I take my time, I